Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another book-ending episode of Avatar, the podcast. The second one ever. The second one ever. I'm going to use an old joke that I think we should use for every end cap for a season and let everyone know that I am a corn bandit and joined <laughs> with me today is none other than Booster Greg. <laughs> I re-listened to like half of the last the book one end cap and yeah. I was like, that's a funny bit. I like that. We're just going to do that every time we end a book now. So look forward to that. And if I forget <laughs> my book three, which I probably will, you're welcome. Oh my gosh. <laughs> New traditions that may or may not actually be funny, but you know, it's funny to us right now. So enjoy. You know what? As uh, Mrs. Boost will test, if I think it's funny, then I just assume everyone else thinks it's funny, which I'm learning may not always be the case, but you know what? <laughs> Doesn't matter. Anyways, we're going to go through all of book two, and we're going to talk about the ups and downs, favorite characters, overall MVP. You've heard the book one recap. We're just going to do that you know for book expect. two. You know what to expect. It's going to be yeah. great. Something to talk about really quickly. I think maybe at the end or whatever, somewhere in this episode, I did, as promised, watch the M. Night Shyamalan interview at the end of book two Blu-ray special. Oh. Uh, I have thoughts. I have lots of thoughts <laughs> on that. So we'll, th we'll throw that in there as well. Before we really jump into the recap, I do want to take a moment again to thank everyone for the five-star reviews, for all of the emails, for all of our patrons who are generously donating so that we can actually afford our editor for editing these podcasts versus <laughs> just paying for them out of pocket, which is super appreciated. And I actually, I'm very proud. We're almost, we're almost, almost, almost caught up on all the emails. I'm so excited. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I am too. We're finally in the, I would say mid to low double digits. So yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. By the time you listen to this, we may be caught up. Who's to say? Yeah. Who and knows? so that means that all the content that we've gotten from those emails that are sitting in our inbox, we're going to keep it there. And we're going to go back to that for Angmail episodes, which may or may not go through a rebranding. We've been talking. We have ideas. That's right. We do. And we are going to announce some of those ideas at the end of this episode. So yeah, don't so go tuned. anywhere. Listen all the way through. I've been obsessed with our Spotify analytics as a side note. And so I'm just like, how many people listen to it all the way through? How many are not all the way through? <laughs> and you'll know what we're talking about. All right. So I guess we should stop stalling at this point and just jump right into it. The first topic to talk about is our favorite episode of book two, or maybe two or three, if you can't choose just the one. There were so many things to go through. There's so many wonderful episodes. So we can't say I'm all, but we'll give ourselves some leeway, right? Yeah, let's give ourselves some leeway because I actually came up with a top five. What? I couldn't even reduce it to three or two. Okay. So I have a top five list. Yeah. I can go first if you want. You can. So then I can make my top two top five as well. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> all right. Okay. So Acorn's top five favorite episodes from book two. Should I go backwards from five or? Forwards from one. Let's go backwards from five. That's the exciting thing to do. More, more dramatic. Okay. More dramatic. I agree. Yeah. 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 My number five was the library. 
Ooh, okay, okay. I would even say like if I could combine the library and the desert, since it technically is like one long arc of the story, mm-hmm. then I would do that. But if I had to choose one, it would be the library. I remember that episode captivating me from the very first time I saw it because something about a sunken, mystical, spirit-owned library with vast amounts of knowledge living under the desert in the Earth Kingdom was just so captivating to me. And it has stayed one of my favorite episodes. So that is my number five. My number four is Crossroads of Destiny. I just thought it was such a good finale to the season. So much happens in it. After spending the whole season watching these characters get into different positions in the Earth Kingdom, this just really like spun it all on its head. So wondering if Zuko's going to choose good or quote unquote evil, mm-hmm. the side of the mm-hmm. Avatar or the side of the Fire Nation, watching Azula maneuver her way through the palace and keeping the upper hand on the Dai Li and Long Feng. Watching Zuko and Katara come into contact and wondering what's going to happen here. Is Katara going to be able to heal his scar? That'd be amazing. And then at the end, watching as Aang is able to achieve the Avatar state, but then that quickly going south and everything changing because we don't know what happened. He got struck down. Is he going to be okay? I mean, obviously, we're going to have another book, but (laughs) in the moment, it's really tense. It's really concerning. So anyway, action-packed finale. Super love it. Lots of great stuff. So that is my number four. Number three for me was The Guru. I just really enjoyed that narrative. And it's probably coming from a place of like self-healing and just how beneficial therapy is. I mean, if I can make a a tangential connection here, what Eng goes through in dealing with the pain and shame and guilt and all of the gunk that he's trying to clear out. I think it calls back to a lot of the stuff that you face in therapy, which is super helpful. It's very healthy. And it's something that I think everyone should do is just kind of take a look inside, do some cleaning, face some things, be able to move past them because ultimately it clears the way for you to live a more settled and peaceful life. And I just thought that also the imagery of the chakras and the use of the pools and the Indian influence in all of that imagery was just really beautiful too. Mm. My number two yeah. was bitter work. Oh my, which How was kind of not? surprise for me. I, I can't believe I just made my top five real quick as you were talking. Yeah. And we have not intersected yet. <gasps> we don't have any overlaps no yet. Really? Yeah. It's, I'm, it's wild. That is shocking. Well, but maybe, maybe one. Actually, maybe one. Okay. I haven't gotten to number one yet. So we okay. could still overlap. We could. But we could. you know, this isn't too shocking to me because back in the recap of book one, we discovered that you are a firebender and I am a waterbender. And we both like to live in the Earth Kingdom. So the fact that we have opposite picks for our favorite <laughs> episodes is maybe not that surprising. No, maybe not. Anyway, bitter work was kind of a surprise for me. I really, really enjoyed that episode. And I think it's because of where I am in my life right now. I'm older. I've experienced some things. I've looked for certain wisdom that actually Uncle Iroh gives in this episode. And so the messaging of how it's important to pull wisdom from many different places and how if you don't do that, if you only take it from one location, it ends up making you a little more rigid and stale understanding others, especially in this world, the other elements and the other nations helps Mm -hmm. you become a more well-rounded whole person, which is something that I think 
as I've gotten older, I've been paying more attention to because we live in a very diverse and varied world and we can draw strength from our differences sometimes. So being more aware and open to that, I think is a important thing to keep an eye on. So yeah, it made its way into the top five and is my number two. So that's, that's cool. Yeah. And now for my number one. Yes. This may or may not be surprising to anyone. I feel like this is going to be an overlap. This is going to be an overlap. I'm calling it right (laughs) now. (laughs) My number one favorite episode is The Blind Bandit. I was just going to try to like, I was watching your mouth move and I was just like, I'm going to say a blind bandit at the same time. And I missed it completely. But I knew it. Well, this is a podcast. We could edit it to be. No, we're not going to do that. We never edit our podcast. We do it in one take all the way through. and We never mess up on anything. As far as you all know, (laughs) (laughs) we have perfect takes every time, not one hair out of place. Mm -mm. (laughs) So, yes, that is my top five. What about you, Greg? Since you made a top five, what are your top five favorite episodes? Uh, Number five. I can't remember if you said this or not because I was typing when you were talking during it. But number five is Zuko Alone. Oh, I didn't say that. That one really stuck out to me. It was the first time we see Zuko on his own in his life. And it was very interesting to see the decisions he made and the life that he mm-hmm. led without any knowing supervision. We we know in hindsight now that Iroh was right behind him and making sure he was okay, but he was not aware of that at the time. So it was cool just to see him become an everyday one of the people, Earth Kingdom members. You know, yeah. he was just out there being a good influence, kind of being broody. But that's I think we all love when Zuko is just a little broody, to be honest. I think that's like just the (laughs) chef's kiss of Zuko moments. And we see him finally at the end embrace who he is, although he does kind of go back and forth a little bit past that episode. But it was the first real step, like big breakthrough moment that we saw. And without any of Iroh's immediate influence, let's say. Number four. I don't think will surprise many people is maybe how higher up on the list it is, but it's Appa's Lost Days. Oh, I love this episode so much because it just it really makes you feel like it really kind of like makes you miss Aang on Appa's behalf and vice versa. It Mm -hmm. does a wonderful job telling a story of multiple weeks or months or however long it is over the course of a 22 minute episode. You get all the feels that you would in like a movie or a whole season, just condensed, minimal, minimal talking too, because it's all really from Appa's point of view. It was very well done. And I super appreciate that one. And that one also made the list as well, because I think as everyone remembers, when I was thinking about book two, this episode jumped right out immediately from my first watch through ever. So it has that like power to it. An emotional punch in the face. Yeah, really does. Speaking of emotional punches to the face, my number three <laughs> pick is the Tales of Ba Sing Se. Oh. For none other really than the Tale of Iroh and the Tale of Momo. Yep. This episode has, again, that emotional power behind it where you have Iroh reliving the life of his son on a very special occasion. And you also have Momo trying to search for his lost friend, Appa, which is both just like grueling if you don't like feeling feelings. It's just like you you have to confront some sort of inner emotional works that you have when you're watching these two episodes. So that was my number three. Number two 
will surprise everyone that it's only the number two slot is the blind <laughs> bandit for oh. none other than the fact that it just introduced Toph and it's a brilliant introduction to the character. Um, yeah. We see both sides of her so brilliantly, the quote unquote helpless princess behind the wall. Right. And then mm -hmm. we also see the rough and tumbling wrestler, which is amazing as well. Yeah. Uh, number one, shouldn't surprise anyone that this is my number one pick. It's the episode that I forgot existed when I was thinking back on book two. But when I started watching it, I couldn't help but sing this song for months. <gasps> And that's the cave of two lovers. Oh, yep. <laughs> I love this. I still sing Secret Tunnel. I was singing uh -huh. it on stream. But I just changed the word tunnel to other things. Oh, my God. Or sometimes I'll yeah. walk around the house and I'll see like Pippin's hiding in her like little house. And I'll just say like Secret Pippin, Secret <laughs> Pippin under the coffee table. Secret, <laughs> secret, secret, secret Pippin. It's just like all the time now. I love that. It's the best thing for me that came out of book two, because this episode had laughter. It had romance, it had drama, it had action. It had a great moral at the end of it. It was yep. everything that I really liked about book one condensed into one episode on book two. Yeah. It was, it was a really cool way to not technically start the season, but like really is only the second episode so i think i can still say start the second mm -hmm. season and and be like this is what things used to be like on book one now prepare yeah. yourself because everyone remembers the finale to that episode was omashu has been taken over by the fire mm -hmm. nation so it's like okay this is what was happening in book one now book two is going to be a lot different yeah and they moved on so that's my top five I love it. I'm shocked that I we know. only have one overlap, yes. you know, out of like 20 episodes in this season. Yeah. We each picked completely different episodes, save one. Yes. Well, I think I had a feeling we we're both going to pick the blind bandit. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, we how much did we talk about that leading yes. up to watching the episode? I mean, it's not shouldn't be a surprise. No, it shouldn't be. But it's just kind of funny that it was my <laughs> top two and your top one. That was really good. Yeah. There was a couple like honorable mentions. Like I really did like the the city of walls and secrets for the introduction of Long Fang. Yeah, that was good. Like Lao Guy as well. Like pretty much most of the stuff with Long Fang, I really did dig. But when I sat down and had to put everything in a list, these are just yep. what made sense. The two that I had picked, if anyone is wondering before the top five, were obviously the Cave of Two Lovers and the Bland, and the bland Bandit. That's not true. The Cave of Two Lovers <laughs> and the Blind Bandit. Those were just like it right off the bat. I didn't really need to think about it. And then yeah. as you were talking about your other three, I was like, yeah, this is a little more complicated, but we got there. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This was too. All right. So let's move right along your favorite character of book two. Now there's a caveat on this one because we yes. are deciding that there are no repeat favorite characters, which I think is going to be tough for me on book three. Now that I'm thinking about uh -huh. it, but we cannot mention Katara and we cannot mention Sokka or yep. we, we can mention them, but we can't, we can't mention them ever again. That's it. We can't, can't talk about them <laughs> period. No, we can't choose either of them as our favorite character of this book. Yep. They've received their awards and now yep. they've retired. They cannot Don't. be our favorite characters of a book anymore. Yep. Anymore. Don't be greedy, Sokka and Katara. You got your one <laughs> award. Let someone else get the awards. Okay. Uh, who's your favorite character of book two? This I'm very curious about. I'm, I'm interested to see mm -hmm. if we're going to have the same favorite character here. I guarantee you we are. 
Yeah. Okay. I guarantee you. Well, my favorite character of book two, again, probably doesn't surprise anyone since we did end up featuring an enamel pin of her. Yep. It's tough. <laughs> I have on my notes <laughs> typed in all caps, tough. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes. I mean, let's go through the list here. Yep. We get teased about Toph in the swamp mm -hmm. when we discover that Aang is about to meet this mysterious person who may or may not be related to his earthbending. Yep. Then we meet her and she's not only the coolest, strongest, sassiest earthbender we've ever encountered, mm -hmm. but she's also living a double life. She is a, what, five times winner of the Earth Rumble. Yep. Yep. She's also this unassuming, gentle, blind, well-behaved, well-mannered girl who lives with the wealthiest family in basically the Earth Kingdom. Yeah. One of the wealthiest, I would say. Yeah, for sure. We go from there to experiencing more of Toph's wonderfully rocky personality mm -hmm. in <laughs> The Chase and all of these other episodes that show Toph integrating into the Avatar team and some of the speed bumps that they've had. Uh, and getting to know each other. But then she goes from there into teaching Aang earthbending and then coming up with freaking metal bending. Yep. Comes Sorry. up with a new sub form of bending and then surfs her way across the kingdom to meet up with her friends. And I'm telling you, when I went and watched book two again, when I got to, I think it was the Earth King, when they stormed the palace and were going to tell the Earth King about long fang in this secret plot and the secret war that sequence of them coming into the palace and fighting their way saying i'm sorry the whole way along yeah. sorry Ooh, watch out for that Ooh, sorry sorry <laughs> don't hurt don't hate me yeah yeah that sequence of them of them fighting their way into the palace i mean oh my god Toph is in rare form the way that she bends and flattens stairs and uses these like spinning panels of rock to block her and her friends like it's so impressive. Yeah. And so basically what it comes down to is this season is chock full of best of tough moments. Mm -hmm. And I got to recognize that and give her my favorite character award. Yeah, for sure. For all of that. And for me as well. And also the fact that she's on top of being this amazing, powerful, independent character. She's also very sensitive and very aware of yeah. her blindness and how other people may kind of interact with her throughout the episodes, as we saw in um, the tales of Ba Sing Se, when those girls were kind of teasing her and she did kind of like retreat a little bit into herself for a moment. And that's just brilliant writing. That's just like keeping characters three dimensional, understanding yeah. that, yeah, like you can be tough. That doesn't mean that you don't have to suppress feelings or anything like that. Like it's okay. Yeah. Which is a really ahead of its time moment for 2006 i think that was at that point for a kid's show for yeah. a kid, well even for an adult show at that point when this episode came out it was september 29th of 2006 i feel like we were still very much in that if you're tough you don't have any feelings you, you're just yeah. like the, that like macho is is kind of outlook on life yeah which is not the healthy <laughs> No, the emotional narrative of that time was definitely different yeah. from where we are today. Yes. But you're right. It's held up and it's been, honestly, I can only pick out a small handful of moments in this show that I'm like, eh, that didn't age very well. But everything else. <laughs> Mostly Iroh and June. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> mostly Ira and June. Also that one moment where Sokka's is like, you talk too much to Suki when he kisses her. And it's like, oh mm, yeah, don't shut her up, please. You could say but something like, different than that. But like she said that to him. Uh, that's true. That's true. It, but it, it was so far apart that I didn't yeah. make that immediate connection. I, but it's I also agree. probably because of the time period I live in too. And that's just something that could be taken yes. the wrong way. But you're right. From the story's perspective, he was repeating something that she had told him. Yes. So yeah. like what, what he was trying to do was show, not to be an apologist, but I think the writing was trying to show that he listens to her and pays attention to her. And therefore his wit kind of like took something that she said to him and flipped it back to her. However, yeah. in the year 2020, when we covered it, that wasn't super appropriate to say to anyone, yeah. much less maybe a potential romantic partner or a human being yeah. in general. So yeah, for sure. Okay, so now that we both agreed on Toph, that means we cannot pick Toph for the next book. Yep. I'm going to have a real difficult time not picking Sokka because of based on what I remember, but we'll see <laughs> yeah. what happens. Let's move right along to a topic that something we really had to pay attention to as we're going through these episodes, and that's going to be our favorite side character, not part of Team Avatar or Team Avatar Extended or the villains. This is a side mm -hmm. character. Yeah. I didn't have as hard of a time picking a favorite side character as I thought I would. It became very clear to me watching through the the season again that my favorite side character is going to have to be the Swamp Benders. Oh, that was... See, I had a, a hard time doing it because there's so many great characters. Yeah. But I'm glad you said them because that makes me feel better that they're going to get talked about on this episode. They're going to get some recognition? Yes. Yeah. No, they're, they're amazing. And also, just a little side note here to kind of pull it through the the story of the world. Think of this. Wan Shi Tong from the library tells Katara that she might as well not try to fight him because he knows Northern style, Southern style, and foggy swamp style. Mm -hmm. The fact that the Southern style is gone at this point, they've lost that history. And the fact that Wan Shitong not only knows it, but also knows the foggy swamp style. Like, I think even though it's not explicitly explored, that points to a very long and rich history and yes. culture in yes. the swamp that we don't get to see, but we get little hints of it. And so I want to give my favorite side character award to the Swamp Benders because they are just so unique and so cool. And I'd love the fact that they have their own distinct culture and bending style in this world. Yes. And how interesting is it that the Southern Water Tribe no longer really has an identity when we're talking about water bending and they were invaded by the Fire Nation, where you have the Swamp Benders who are embedded in the Earth Kingdom, which is pretty much taken over by the Fire Nation at this point. And mm -hmm. they still have managed to not only stay a secret from them, we think, but also they're able to preserve their heritage and their cultural yeah. identity. That's impressive. Even though they come off as just, and, and pardon the lingo on this, uh, as like dumb hicks, essentially, based off of their uh, their voice acting, they are yeah. far from it. They're very powerful and, dare I say, resourceful, down to earth. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> down to earth. They're also wise. I mean, they yeah. they are living in not the most hospitable of environments. You know, when you think about yep. it, the swamps have a lot of threats in them. They've befriended cat gators. They've been able to live alongside other things that would potentially do you harm. And on top of that, 
have been able to tap into a very rich and important mysticism almost Mm -hmm. in that the banyan tree that is at the heart of the swamp is connected to everything. And so they've taken that philosophy of everything is connected. We are all connected under this umbrella of humanity on this world and kind of lived by that. And that's really noteworthy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, They also inadvertently teach us or maybe purposefully teach us a lesson that you shouldn't judge a book by its cover in that episode. Yes. That's right. Like we see them and they have like weird names for different things and it's not what we know, but just because it's not something we know doesn't mean that it's wrong, yep. which I thought was really cool. Or doesn't have value. Exactly. Or doesn't have value. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, my favorite side character should probably surprise no one. And it's Chong because I just love Chong. He's so funny. <laughs> He's so oh talented. <laughs> he uh, is wise in his... What do I want to say? He's, he's like wise in his laziness almost. Like he's just very mellow and laid back and he's seen the world. He's pulled the lessons that he needs to out of it. And he's just living his best he's life just at, this chilling at this he's point. He's just yeah. a good dude with a guitar and just hanging uh-huh. out with his buddies. Like what, what a Love life, it. what a life, what that, a guy, life. Like, that guy lives. And yeah, like he's just, uh, the second I saw him again, I was just like, I love you, man. This is perfect. This is right up. I I love like stoner comedy too. So like when he showed up, I was like, this is like chef's kiss. Just brilliant. (laughs) Put it in there. So good. So this next part, we want to go ahead and thank the Rob Logan again for compiling this data. We, and by we, I mean, Rob has gone through every episode and noted who we chose as our MVP per episode per episode. So I think we should narrow it down to a top three or a top four because there is no five. Yeah. So there's so many ties that there cannot be a top five. One thing that became very clear in reviewing this empirical data that yes. Rob collected for yes. us is book two is very heavy on side characters. And because of that, our MVPs didn't really stay around the same group of characters. It was pretty broad. Mm -hmm. So our number three MVP is actually shared by like seven people. Yes. For anyone (laughs) who wants to know, number three for the season MVP calculation as compiled by the Rob Logan, founder of the Geek Generation Network, is Aang, Sokka, Zuko, Longfang, Guru Patik, Bumi, Hugh, and the Earth King. It's number yeah, three. So <laughs> <laughs> congratulations. Number three of our season hey! MVP. Uh, there are so many of you. We could not get an award made. So you all get a 1% off coupon at the Jasmine Dragon. You're welcome. There you go. <laughs> uh, it's all we can afford. Number two is going to be very surprising. I think to a lot of people, including myself, when I saw this evidence show up, this, this number calculation is tough. Oh, yeah. I am surprised because I thought for sure she would be number one. Uh huh. Based on how much we love her and remember her. And I think it was an episode, it was last episode. We were like, don't worry. Like, we're sure she's going to be the MVP of all time for this season by empirical data. No, she's not. Apparently not. <laughs> Apparently not. She is just number two, which I think she would uh, take offense to being yeah. the five times reigning champion of Earth Rumble. Although maybe not, because the character that took her spot as number one for the book, as well as our hearts, won by twice the amount of votes, I mm-hmm. guess, of mentions. And that's Iroh. Good old Uncle Iroh. Yep. Which 
in hindsight is probably not super surprising. No. But it's very interesting that if you were to ask us, as was our previous question or two ago, was our favorite character, I guess empirically, our favorite character of book two is Iroh. Yay, Yay! Iroh! You win number one. Uh, you. We don't have any coupons for you because you own the Jasmine Dragon. So <laughs> good job. Good, good job. job. It's actually not very surprising when I think no, about it. Because yeah. when you think back... Iroh imparts so much wisdom in this season, and he is very involved in the plot and the goings on of Zuko and what Zuko's doing. So mm-hmm. he really, he's just kind of the backbone, Papa, wise character figure in this season. And so I think that uh, the empirical data really, really backs that up. I'm very curious to see if that trend continues in um, book three. My theories as of now yeah. is Iroh is going to take more of a backseat That's right, and remember, other yeah. characters in the cast are going to be moving forward. And honestly, it's been a bit since I've watched through the season and seen book three. So I remember the majority of the episodes. But as I've mentioned before, I've mm. never really dived this deep into the episodes of Avatar before. So once we get into book three, I'm really looking forward to taking episodes that I loved and picking them apart and seeing what lies underneath? What were some of the cultural nods that they made? What were some backgrounds to the characters and their development and all the things that we've been doing on this podcast? So yeah, I think my theory is Iroh is going to start taking a backseat because we've seen so much growth and development in the characters in this book that it would only make sense for them to really step up and be doing more and making more of an impact in the story in the next one. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Plus he gets ripped. That's how I remember. I remember him getting ripped. <laughs> that he does. Crazy. All right. Next up, we have our MVPs of the season. Now, as a reminder, these are the movers and the shakers of this season. And again, another caveat on there, it cannot be Boomy or Iroh. Mm-hmm. Cannot be either of them per the pre-established rules back on the book one episode or book yeah. one recap episode. So... I have a tie between two people. I'm very curious to see who you have. I I have a theory that we're okay. not going to be, we're not going to pick the same characters. Okay. I'm going to be surprised if we do. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. So because the MVP of the season is, like Greg said, the mover and the shaker, the person who pushes the plot forward, the person who makes a lot of an impact on the series of events in this season, I had to go with Azula. Oh, you're right. We didn't pick the same person. Knew it. Okay. Why Azula? Oh, God. Azula, as I've said before, is in rare form right now. She has been unleashed onto the Earth Kingdom by the Fire Lord. I just love the buildup of her character and how she was first introduced as someone who was going to go clean up her brother's mess. Mm -hmm. She went out, asserted herself, started doing these things, realized she needed an elite team gathered up May and Tai Lee, and then really kind of followed in the footsteps of her predecessors like Iroh, who lay siege on Ba Sing Se by bringing the drill into the picture and trying to basically get her way into Ba Sing Se with brute force. But then she took the Azula turn and decided to infiltrate Ba Sing Se undercover. And the fact that she and May and Tai Lee were able to get into the city as Kyoshi warriors, and mm-hmm. then from there be able to take over the Dai Li 
and basically control the government of this city, which is something that no one has ever been able to do before. Yeah. On top of all of that, going in search of the Avatar and battling her brother and the list just goes on. Azula is just she's a beast in the season. And I think a lot of the things that happened wouldn't have happened if she hadn't been around doing her Azula thing. Okay. As you were talking, I get rid of my tied for because I made up my mind finally. Okay. Uh, If anyone's wondering, it was Guru Patik in there. I think because he should get a notable mention for sitting in place for a hundred (laughs) years. No, but he also, he's very wise. He had a lot to impart on Aang. He's very likable as well. And Mm -hmm. he did help Aang get to a point with his abilities as the avatar, but he only really did show up in the past couple episodes. So he can't really, he didn't really shake up too, too much. But you're right. He does need an honorable mention. So we'll give him like what, a 20% off coupon? Eh, 10. We're not, we're not made of money here. We're not made of money. What do you think (laughs) this is? Um, So who is your number one? I mean, she's definitely a mover and a shaker of the earth. Okay. But there's no rule that says that I can't say Toph again as the MVP for the season. (laughs) There's no rule that says I can't have the same favorite character and the same MVP. But not only do I get to get that pun in there because she moves and shakes the earth with her earth bending. She does. But she also did really help Aang throughout this season. Not only is she his earthbending teacher, she really completed a group of friends, in my opinion. Mm Mm-hmm. And is such a, I think, a positive influence for any young boys or girls out there who needed this sort of role model. Yeah. She, like we said during our favorite character part, she definitely marches to the beat of her own drum. She's unapologetic, but she's still a person. And she Mm -hmm. is tough and strong in all the ways that matter, but she's not afraid to feel her feelings or succumb to them. Whether they yeah. be loneliness or sadness or anger or joy, she's very, very much able to embrace those and express them. In terms of how much she impacted the season, I feel like Team Avatar would have been dead five times over, at least if, it, if she wasn't there <laughs> to help back him up. Yep. She helped Aang kind of get over his air nomad way of thinking so he could earthbend and also try out different fighting styles and fighting strategies and and stuff like that. But yeah, I think that when you think back of all the characters that really helped move this plot along, moved everything along, it was Toph. That is totally fair. And really, when you think about it, by picking Toph and Azula, we are basically bookending this season. Those were the two probably biggest movers and shakers in the yeah, story, aside sure. from Iroh, who maybe I would say Iroh and Guru Patik took a more internalized role as a mover and shaker, if that makes sense. They were the ones who were imparting wisdom and guidance and instruction versus Mm -hmm. Toph and Azula, who were making more of like the physical moves. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Also, if we didn't have that rule, I probably would have chosen Boomy again because he (laughs) literally helped uh, Aang figure out, not just because I love him, but he did help Aang think of something that he never would have thought of again, which is sometimes you just don't have to do anything. Yeah. Sometimes neutral Jing is the answer. Yeah, for sure. All right. That brings us to the moral of the season. Now, keep in mind for book one, uh, the morals that we kind of picked out were thinking outside of the box and family is what you make it. Yeah. 
I struggled with this actually, because while each of the episodes had really great morals for them, I didn't see as much of an overarching moral for book two as I did for book one. So Mm -hmm. I would be curious to hear yours first, Greg. Yeah, for sure. After kind of rewatching the first half of book two and really reflecting on the whole book two, I realized that for me, the moral of the season is that it's just as important to stop every once in a while as it is to keep on moving. Ooh, that's a good one. And that kind of leads into what we're talking about, what I was talking about with Boomy just a moment ago. We've learned in Return to Amashu that about neutral Jing. Mm-hmm. So what happens the next episode? The swamp literally tells Ang to stop moving and yeah. listen. And as we kind of go through, we realize that he's moving and he moves throughout Avatar Day, the Blind Bandit, and Zuko alone is literally about stopping. Zuko alone is about stopping, taking in your environment, living a life. And then the, what's, what's the next episode after stopping? The chase. So we're moving again. And bitter yeah. work. We're learning. We're, we're stopping. We're learning, though. We're moving, I guess, mentally. So it's all about stopping and going, stopping and going. It's about taking a break every once in a while, enjoying yourself. But don't forget to keep on going. Yeah, I really do love that. And actually, it did trigger the final piece that I needed to come up with an overarching theme because really in a complimentary way, I would say it's maybe a little cheesy just because we have this saying in our world, mm-hmm. but it's about the journey, not the destination. Yeah. Because I when I think back, so much of this book is about where they're going and the journey of going than it mm-hmm. is in getting there. A lot of what they're focusing on, like really we see it in the characterization. Sokka's like, Ba Sing Se, Ba Sing Se, come yep. on, let's go. We got to yep. get to Ba Sing Se. And they're like, hang on, Sokka, let's take some mini vacations first. Let's yep. go visit this uh, oasis in the middle of the desert. Let's go see this library. And even like going into Ba Sing Se, they had to enjoy their time there however much they could because mm-hmm. it is a city of wall and secrets. Mm-hmm. But they were still forced to somewhat enjoy their time there by going and exploring the city, by going to the spa with Qatar and Toph, by experiencing the sights and sounds as they waited for their, I guess, paperwork <laughs> to get filed with the palace in order to be able to see the Earth King. And eventually they made it happen and they took matters into their own hands and decided to infiltrate the party. But, you know, so much of the of the season is the time they spend together on the road, seeing things and making memories, because even Aang acknowledges the fact that he's learning the elements as fast as he can. So if he's working hard every day with Toph and Katara, why can't they enjoy themselves a little bit? Right. And I think that's a great philosophy to live by too. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I even forgot about the mini vacations for some reason, but yeah, it's it's almost as if when you take a break, your next destination is revealed to you throughout, through that break, yeah. which is very interesting. But yeah, that was something that just came to me as I was actually watching my favorite episode of the season, The Cave of Two Lovers, where (laughs) at the end, Chong kind of says something to that similar regard where it's just like, it's what you said. It's not the journey or it's not the destination. It's the journey. Like, Mm -hmm. keep in mind all of these lessons that you learned with the nomads and move on. All right. So that brings us to what we're looking forward to the most in book three. Everything. Everything. All right. I'm so excited for book three. Yes, me too. Because I don't remember much of anything from book three. So here's what I remember off of the top of my head for book three. Angro's hair, (laughs) which looks weird to me. (laughs) 
the Painted Lady episode, which I remember loving, mm-hmm. Sokka's Master, which I do remember mm-hmm. loving as well, and I remember the recap, the like the the Ang's Journey recap episode, the Ember Island players. That's what I remember. Yeah, uh, I'm most looking forward to Sokka's journey throughout this because I remember a lot of big things happened with him. I don't want to spoil yep. it just because anyone's watching for the first time, but I'm very excited to see Sokka's growth in book three. Absolutely. Sokka does grow. And I think that's really what I'm looking forward to is the fact that these characters have been growing so much up until this point, but they're getting to the point where they are really at the top of their game. Like Katara, for instance, we've, mm-hmm. I've, we've talked about this a lot and I've especially pointed it out a lot. The fact that she's such a self-starter and she is learning waterbending because she's so passionate about it and she wants to get good. And so she was practicing before they got to the North Pole. She practiced with Paku with every piece of her heart and soul and then became a master waterbender. And even from there, she's still continuing. She's almost picking up these side abilities along the way. She now can bend water. She can heal. And from here, it's just watching her innovation. And I think that applies to all the other characters, too. They're becoming very skilled in their bending and skilled in their fighting and skilled in their tactics and reasoning that when we get into season three, the closer we get to the Fire Nation and fighting the Fire Lord, we're going to see all of that kind of zero in with precision. And so I'm excited to see that. Yeah, I'm also excited to see the Fire Nation because a lot of the season is going to be set there. So we get to learn more about the culture, about the people mm-hmm. and those episodes you pointed out, yes, I am also yeah. very excited about that. The Painted Lady is one of my favorites. The Beach, I really enjoyed. Oh, The Puppet Master. That one is maybe in my top five. I, I'm making a prediction now. Yeah. I think when we get to the recap of book three, The Puppet Master is going to be really high up on my list. Everyone keeps on talking about The Runaway and The Puppet Master in the emails. And I'm just like, yeah. I don't remember either of those. So I'm very excited about it. Keep yourself unspoiled. I yes. want a pure experience for you and I want to live through it with you. Well, it's also entirely possible, too, that I watched the first few minutes and I go, oh, yeah, I remember this episode. That's true. You, you probably will. That yeah. has happened a couple of times, but I'm not going to read the description. Of that. I'm going to scroll up on the wiki and get out of here. But yeah, <laughs> I'm very excited to this is going to be as fresh as it'll get for a rewatch for me in terms mm-hmm. of like you ever watch something so good and you're just like, I wish I could watch that again for the first time. Absolutely. This is as close to it's going to get for me with book three. And yep. I'm very excited. All right. So. I guess now we should probably tell everyone what's coming up for the podcast, as well as a couple other ideas that we've been kicking around the old podcast avatar studios. And by that, I mean our rooms, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) The Zoom call, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So the first thing we want to do is get this out of the way. It's still an idea we're cooking up. And that pun will make sense to you in a minute. Because as a couple of people have emailed into us, there is an Avatar The Last Airbender cookbook that is available Mm -hmm. for pre-order on Amazon right now. I've already pre-ordered it, and we're going to incorporate that as soon as it's released into the podcast in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. The oven's still preheating on that. But (laughs) once things start rolling, you'll know, and we'll tell you. Yep. Number two is we are going to be rebranding and reformatting the Ang Mail segment. There were so many wonderful, brilliant, captivating, well-written emails that came in 
that we felt like just kind of doing ang mail and reading them and reacting wasn't going to do anyone any justice. So we are going to turn that into a series we're calling Avatar. Yeah. The podcast. No, I'm just kidding. No, the podcast, just Avatar. But <laughs> that is going to be a live show that's going to be over on twitch.tv slash the geek generation. Mm-hmm. And times and dates when that start will be uh, mentioned on our Twitter. And once they start rolling, I would imagine we'll tell people as well on the podcast. But that will yeah. be live on Twitch. So if you ever wanted to interact with both of us at the same time, that will be your shot about Avatar mm-hmm. and strictly Avatar. And I will try not to use sound effects. I will try not to use voice changers. I no make promises. No, no promises. Because sometimes <laughs> the finger just slips and all of a sudden uh-huh. you have a laugh track or a clapping track or a demon voice. But that's fine. Yep. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited about this this yes. new format because, like Greg said, like it started out with just responding to and thanking and discussing the points that people brought up in the emails, but it's turned into this amazing like community discussion that we want to turn into more of a community experience because we have so many people writing in about their favorite episodes, their MVPs. Have you heard about this thing? Here's some pictures. Have you discovered this theory before? And we just want to be able to discuss that in more of an open form versus just doing like a read response type format. So we're really excited. We hope you are too. We'll give you some more details once we know more. So that brings us to our final new content exclusive to Patreon. Yeah, this one we're also really excited about. So we wanted to have a way to give back to our patrons even more. And we came up with this really kooky, fun idea where our patrons will pick out someone in the background of an Avatar episode, any episode, any season. And Greg and I will come up with a name and a backstory for that person. Kind of similar to what we did with Song's mom. We yes. named her Melody. Melody. We yep. talked about where she came from. What was her life like? We want to do just a fun, interesting series exclusive to Patreon where we come up with even more Avatar content set in this world featuring the characters that we see in the background. Yes. And now obviously this information is going to be non-canonical because we're making it up. Everything from their Absolutely. name to maybe we'll just do the exercise. You ever do the the creative writing exercise where it's like you have to think of their name, their favorite movie, their favorite food, stuff like that. Like maybe yep. we'll, we'll dive into that and just kind of see where it takes us. Uh, this is going to be for all of the patrons who do a $5 or more support. So that means that you are part of the 100 year mm-hmm. war or anything above that as well. That will be released. So what we'll do is at random, uh, we'll get the ball rolling. We'll we'll choose the first one and then we will pick someone else that is one of our patrons. And that'll be that. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a fun time. I cannot wait. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm so excited. If you're interested in joining the 100 Year War over on Patreon, meaning you get to, with your pledge, choose a nation that you represent. And every month we will talk about who is leading in the 100 Year War, who has the most members. Check us out on patreon.com slash avatar the podcast. Yes, that's right. Speaking of which, yes, we want to talk about that, right? Who's who's leading in the 100 Year War right now? So just so everyone is aware right now, the Fire Nation is winning <gasps> the 100 Year oh, no. War. That's right. Can they be toppled? Do they need to be toppled in this 100-year war? Just because that's what happened in Avatar The Last Airbender and it's not great doesn't mean that that's what's happening with our community right now. 
I know they're all wonderful people, and I don't see an Ozai that has contributed to our Patreon. So that's good. That's good. They might good. be fine. They might be good. But it is the Fire Nation right now. Fire Nation is leading. Oh, man. And it's not by a lot. I'm not going to say how much because I don't want to swing anything too much, but maybe they can be toppled by the time we talk about it next. We'll see. You know, I think it's really actually appropriate that the Fire Nation is leading because of where we left off in book two, right? That is very true. Yeah. yeah with New Ozai <laughs> and with the infiltration of Ba Sing Se, like it's pretty topical, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. So yeah, I guess it is very poetic that right now the Fire Nation is winning according to our community. <laughs> and with all that being said, that's everything. That is the end of book two. Oh, it's real now. It's real. It's hitting me. We are going to be covering book three next. And after that, just so everyone remembers, we are going to be diving into the books and the graphic novels and whatever else that we can find before moving on to Korra. Mm -hmm. So something just for everyone to look forward to. Yeah. And going off of our recent news from Nickelodeon, after Korra, we are also going to be covering anything else that comes out of Avatar Studios. That's right. As well as the live action Netflix. If that even happens anymore, we don't know. Uh Uh-huh. But we'll be covering it. If we covered The Last Airbender, you can bet we're going to be covering anything (laughs) else that comes out. Absolutely. Speaking of covering The Last Airbender, I forgot, almost forgot, that I want to talk about the M. Night Shyamalan interview. Tell us about it, Greg. It was make us cringe. So bad. It was so cringe. It was like you could tell it was made for Nickelodeon because they had this weird, they were sitting, so it was M. Night Shyamalan, Mike and Brian, or as I like to call them, Break. It was the three of them, (laughs) right? And they were going back and forth about just like questions and answers. And between each question, they would do this weird animation where they had everyone sit in different seats and like take a picture and then they would switch seats and take a picture. So they were just like they'd do like the boom, like the the end credit song Yeah, yeah, yeah. for Avatar. And they would just like shuffle them all around and then they would like stop and they would is odd and bizarre. And I was like almost I was getting a musical chairs. Probably it was like musical chairs, but like they took only like a frame and they just kept on overlaying it like a stop motion. But not it was bad. Weird. That's really weird. Other than the presentation, the content was not great either. The highlight is M. Night Shyamalan seemed to be genuinely, seemed to be genuinely happy with getting this property to direct. He was, there's an excitement about him. He was like, I cannot wait to do this. He talked at length about how he hadn't heard about the show before and his daughter got him into it, which is not surprising as we talked about that during The Last Airbender. Uh-huh. But I think having him talk to it with the creators of the show, there was like a twinkle in his eye. And all I could think of is how tragic it is because he kept on talking about over three movies when I get to do or oh, if I get to do these no. three movies. And one of the the theories that I have about why he chose the Fire Nation to be represented by like a Middle Eastern instead of a Japanese influence was because Zuko is his favorite character. He confirms that Zuko is his favorite character in this interview and that the Fire Nation is like, you know, his favorite nation, essentially. So I was like, oh, that's why you made it influenced by your culture versus the Japanese Mm -hmm. cultures, because you felt that connection and you changed the source material to fit that. I'm sorry. That's so weird. That's so weird for a writer and director and I guess producer to like 
change the original content just because of their favorite character. It's like, it's like a fan fiction or something. You know what I mean? Like you completely change it because it's based on your preference now. Yes. Yeah, I agree. It was horribly acted. There had little skits in the middle too, where Brian would be asking him a question. And then this is the most cringe thing. And I almost turned it off after this because I couldn't handle it anymore, but I just, I persevered. Um, (laughs) Brian asked him a question. Mike tapped him on the shoulder and said night and then asked him a question and it was the most scripted acted thing i could like it was bad it was not good oh no another one of the tragedies of this interview is mike and brian were super pumped to have a, like a name like m night Shyamalan direct something that they are working on with him and this is also mm-hmm. m night Shyamalan or night as mike affectionately calls him he goes on to say this is the first movie that he directed that wasn't his own property like he's written mm. adaptations before he wrote the Stuart little movie but this is the yeah. first thing he's directed and, and kind of written as well so it's it's really sad to see this excitement and this joy and know what's gonna happen oh god it's like knowing that Titanic is about to yeah. capsize and watching all of the hope yeah. <laughs> and the light during the boarding and going, oh, no, you don't understand. You don't even know. You don't even know what's <laughs> about to happen. Oh, no. <laughs> the positive from this interview is I think I can now, during a director's commentary when I'm listening to it, be able to tell the difference between Mike and Brian. I think. Oh, man. I think well, I found go. it. Yeah. Like there, there's that's, something that's a Brian, positive. Brian says things in a different way than Mike. Like he's he's almost got like a lisp of some kind. Not a, like a, a speech impediment or something. I think that's going to be the, the key indicator. You'll find okay. out on book three when I watch a director's commentary and watch watch me be like, remember the thing I said? I was full of crap. Don't listen to me. I still can't tell. <laughs> I feel like that's going to happen. We'll have to wait and see. So, yeah, it was just there was no new content in there from what we had already talked about with The Last Airbender. But just that the feeling of just impending doom that I had oh. while watching it <laughs> and also the horrible, horrible editing and acting it was terrible. Oh, at one point, Mike goes, oh, if you're ever looking for an Ang, you can ask me because Mike is bald. That's right. And then M. Night Shyamalan is like, oh, yeah, totally. I'll let you know. Then he goes to Brian. He goes, what's this guy's deal? But it was like, again, terribly acted. Like scripted. Yeah. Oh, it's God. like it's like the director of this whole thing, which is like, this would be really funny. Trust me, just do it. And then the one's like, I don't want to do that. I'm a filmmaker. This is stupid. But yeah, that was all that content that was found on. I have the Blu-ray that I bought off of Amazon when you first started the podcast, which also included mm-hmm. Avatar as well as Korra. So yes. I'm sure that's on probably any Avatar Last Airbender Blu-ray that you can find now. Yep. But at the same time, we may have saved you some pain. Yes. By describing it, you don't have to go watch it because you don't now have you know. To. Now you know. It's not great. All right. And like I said, now that that part's out of the way, now we're really at the end of book two. It's over. Remember, we are going to be taking a little bit of a break from episodes for a little bit, just as we did with book one. If you find yourself with some extra time on your hands, maybe you do, maybe you don't. I don't know why I'm turning into Tony Soprano over here. <laughs> But if you do, go over to twitch.tv slash Greg, and I don't talk like this at all ever again in my life. Or maybe I will. Maybe I will. You're actually pretty good at it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Maybe I do, maybe I don't. I don't. Anyways, uh, I'm over there Monday, Friday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Right now, we are doing a watch party over at the Geek Generations Twitch, so twitch.tv slash the Geek Generation, for the cartoon Invincible, which is a superhero, uh, more mature animated series, and it's mm-hmm. very good. They do share some of the voice actors from Avatar, so that's really cool. Like, Gray Griffin does a couple voices in there. It's a good time. So I do recommend checking that out as well. And that's on Friday nights at 7 p.m. for the next couple weeks. Yeah. Awesome. And you can find me online at Acorn Bandit and also on Joysons.com, J-O-I-S-A-N-S.com. If you add a slash pages slash Acorn to that, you'll see all my stuff as per usual. Nothing really exciting happening with me right now, except for my Final Fantasy X novelization, which you can find out on that page I mentioned before. I'm going to be busily writing to meet my deadline of writing a book by the end of the year. Other than that, you can sometimes find me over on the Geek Generation for Indie Showcases. I also just got a wrestler made for the Rob Logan's <gasps> WrestleMania. You Is that did? what it's called? Uh, I did. It's called the Wrestling Generation, My Wrestler. So go. everyone knows the Wrestling Generation, My Wrestler, everyone knows it's called Avatar X. It came up ah. last second. I was like, oh, it should be like Booster X. I was like, no, 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 no. Hold on. Avatar X. It has nothing to do with Avatar the Last Airbender. It just sounds really cool. And I love it. Yeah. My wrestler hasn't been released yet, but I recently submitted the form to Rob. So you can find uh, Booster Greg on Twitch. And you can also find our alter ego wrestlers mm-hmm. on twitch.tv slash the Rob Logan every Wednesday at six. That's right. And as we mentioned before, you can always email in to us if you have any theories, fun fan fiction, anything Avatar The Last Airbender related. You can always email us at avatarthepodcast at gmail.com. And that will be put into our new Avatar live show on twitch.tv slash the geek generation. You can always tweet at us at podcast avatar. Leave us a five star written review, uh, which we'll be adding into our episodes from book three right in the beginning going forward. Mm-hmm. And that's on Apple Podcasts. If you don't use Apple Podcasts, you can also send us a quote unquote five star review via email and we'll be happy to read those as well. Yes. And those will, just so everyone knows, most likely be featured if they have any theories or anything on Avatar. If it has a yeah. theory, it's on Avatar. If it's a five star review, then it'll be on the show just to really make it clear as mud, I guess. Anyway, we achieved that. <laughs> I think we achieved that. Good. Great. That's what I aim for. Clear as mud. That is all of the time that we have for this episode. Coming up next time, book three. Book three. Book three. Can't believe it. Can't believe. We're two thirds of the way done with Avatar Last Airbender. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Two thirds of the way through the original series. 66.66, right? Isn't that what it is? (laughs) Two thirds? Yeah. (laughs) Something like that. 0.667% of the way through Avatar The Last Airbender the series. Wild. Wow. Alright well like I said, book three all this and more next time on Avatar Avatar, The the Podcast. Podcast. Avatar, the podcast, is a proud part of the Geek Generation Network. Remember to check out all of our podcasts at thegeekgeneration.com. 